You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Steve Blackmer of Chanticleer Books in Sonoma, California. Thank you for joining me, Steve. You're welcome. Steve, tell me a little bit about your bookstore. It's all used books, isn't it? It is. And tell me, uh, when that's a really an interesting and I think a very different business model from, from a, a new bookstore. Could you tell me about how and why you started a, an all used bookstore and what sort of stock you sought out to begin with, at least? Well, let's see. My business has evolved over time. I've had uh, owned and ran used bookstores since 1985. And in my first phases of business, I was just a general used bookstore, essentially selling used copies of the same sorts of books you could buy in a new bookstore. Um, So the business model essentially was selling a product at a a lesser price than if you bought it new. And the bookstore I own now is quite different from that. I have books. Well, generally, that you can't find new, i.e., they're either out-of-print books or they're books that are uh, desirable because they are the original edition, i.e., the first edition. Now, how did you? When did you decide to make that switch? Was it, was it a conscious decision or was it an evolution? It was both. Um, realize well. Let's see. The internet uh, had a profound effect on selling of books. Pre-internet, you could pretty much count on at half the price you might pay for a new copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the internet gave anyone, essentially, the, the opportunity to sell their used book. You know, you bought something new and you read it and now you wanted to sell it. Well, you could put it on eBay or Amazon and sell it for whatever you wanted to. You know, a dollar, 50 cents, or, or whatever. And Mm-hmm. Um, so the old kind of uh, sort of model of selling used books at half cover price uh, kind of out the window. Now, when did you notice that changing your business? I mean, well, I, I think actually that that's part of the evolution and, and change I went through. And the other part was it's more interesting to sell unusual things than it is to sell things that you see everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I was already evolving towards uh, seeking out unusual books and first editions and, uh, <clears throat> and selling those in my business. So it was kind of an easy decision to abandon the general use market and focus on more of the collectible market. Now, the collectible market is... Uh, is it volatile? I mean, we are seeing a lot of, uh, you know, the prices of houses that were once a million dollars are now half a million dollars. Are you seeing the same kind of slide in the collectible book market as well? Not in my part of the collectible book market. I think dealers that sell what are called modern first editions, which can include what are called hypermodern first editions, that, that market has changed quite a bit. 
and that was kind of a anticipatory. I think you know people would try to try to predict who the next uh, James Joyce would be, or mm-hmm. you know James Joyce is my example because you know, his the first edition of Ulysses is maybe the the most desirable and expensive 20th century first edition. Well, how much is does the first edition? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure what. That, that's kind of a problematical question. The very first edition was a signed limited edition, and then there's the first trade edition or the first English uh, edition. It was published in Paris first. But I have a first English edition here for $3,500. Wow. But I think the first Paris edition, well, quite a bit more than that, 40, 50, 60, 100, I don't know. Um, but that's a more volatile market than my market, which is, oh, California history and uh, travel, exploration. I do rare cookery books. Uh, rare cookery books. Now, that's oh, yeah. an interesting market. Uh, who, what, tell me what's a good rare well, cookery book to look for. <laughs> uh, well, you know, first edition of Joy of Cooking, for instance, is a very rare and desirable thing. It was uh, self-published by Irma Rombauer, the author. Wow, I didn't so, know it was self-published. That's interesting. Yeah, and then a pretty, you know, it was popular, so it was quickly picked up by a regular publisher. Uh, and even that first trade published edition is, is also uh, pretty rare and desirable. Then um, there's European things. I've got English cookbooks. 
occasionally I'll be invited to uh, preview at an estate sale that has a lot of books. And, uh, I'll do that, but I don't. I won't go get in line at five in the morning. And, uh, you know, wait to come in. And, um, so what I I primarily buy is book auctions. People bring books in to sell to me, or I'll buy. Uh, And I buy a lot from other dealers. Now, um, when you're buying uh, from people who come in, come in off the street, are they um, buying other things, or do you do trades? Uh, if they're interested in trading, I'll, I'll accommodate them. But I generally assume that people will want money for their books. Generally, I pay, pay cash for books. But I do have people who trade. Now, I've, I've been in business here in the county Again, since '85, so I know I know a lot of people, and I do often wind up buying collections from people that are uh, well, a goodly percentage of the books I originally sold to them over the years. So um, often, uh, you know, I'm buying things back that, that, uh, that were once in my stock. That's not that frequent, but that that is part of. Could you tell me uh, about, um, ha have you noticed um, in, in your environment, uh, is there a, a downturn in business with all this economic foo-for-all? I have yet to really, yeah, I guess there's been a little bit of a downturn. It's, um, yeah, I think that's fair to say. But I've been actually taking most of them this month off, so I haven't really had an opportunity. Finger to the pulse of things. But, um, it it looks slow out here, actually. But uh, yeah, I, I was uh, I decided January is generally a slow month for me. So I decided this year I'd only be open Fridays and Saturdays in January. And those it's been good those days. But I think uh, yeah. So I don't know yet. We'll see what February brings. Um, when you're um. Uh, looking at, at uh, books to buy, uh, could you talk about evaluating uh, the um, the condition of these books and, and how you present them? Do you yourself do any reconditioning of books, or, you know, fix them up at all? I, I do sometimes uh, do um, some restoration work, and that I always uh, note when something has been uh, worked on. And I don't buy things that are really decrepit. They have to have what I would call shelf appeal. You know, they have to look like something that someone will want to own. Um, the things that generally that I will repair are books that are something I think is you know, worth preserving and keeping in commerce rather than You know, this isn't worth trying to save. And um, you know, one thing that that uh, part of this business is preserving things for for posterity. You know, for their continued life. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's oftentimes I'll pause and reflect on you know a book that's very old and just think what a miracle really it is that it has 
survived. I have a book from well the late 1500s here that's still in its original binding, and, and it really is kind of miraculous. A 1500s book? What is it? It's a um, it's the chronicle of uh, the city of Flanders in Belgium. Wow. And it's in its original pigskin binding. Likely it has survived because it's probably not something that people read very often. Uh, <laughs> the books that really are the ones that are most decrepit are often the most popular books. Like Jack London's Call of the Wild is, uh, is a book that the first edition was printed in, in large numbers, but it's actually hard to find in uh, collectible copies uh, just because it was such a popular you know, people would read it and pass it on. And so often copies that I see are literally kind of read to death. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, evaluating conditions, um, ideally in a collectible or, or rare book, the closer it is in condition to its statement it was new, you know, the more valuable it potentially is, just because it's, you know, it's rare to find old books that are that are in great shape. So, you know, that's a matter of is the binding still bright and clean, and are the pages unmarked? And, you know, no no damage. You know, common types of damage to books are water damage. You know, it might have been in a well, someone might have read it in the bathtub or something, <laughs> and dipped it a couple times. Or or it might have been stored in a bad, you know, vulnerable location, a garage or a shed or something. It's a terrible place to keep your book. And people often ask me, you know, how do I, you know, what, how do I preserve my books? You know, how, what should I do? You know, put them under glass or wrap them in plastic or something? And, and my standard answer to that is just, you know, keep your books in the same environment that you find comfortable. You know, books essentially like warmth, you know, not heat, but warmth and uh, kind of minimal humidity or you know, doesn't want to be too dry or, or too damp. They don't want to be in direct sunlight. Sun will fade the, the colors in the dust jacket or the binding or the leather-bound book. Direct sunlight will dry the leather out and make them more vulnerable to the leather cracking. Now, uh, could you talk about uh, the difference for you? Uh, I mean, y you mentioned how the Internet was somewhat the demise of the uh, dollar book business. Yeah. Um, could you talk about how it balances out for you now between your, your walk-in traffic and your Internet traffic? Yeah. Well, the Internet is, was a great, really a great boon, I think, to selling books, both for booksellers and book buyers, because it does – it really lends itself to – to the, you know, the book search, essentially. Um, there are a number of Internet sites that are devoted solely to book commerce. You know, there's Alibris and Abe Books and the ABAA, American Bookseller Association, and ILAB, International League of Antiquarian Booksellers site, um, and others. And so while... Some dealers kind of decry the effect those sites have had 
in, you know, essentially giving any individual the opportunity to sell their own books rather than sell them to a dealer. Um, at the same time, it's also made book buyers, uh, given them the opportunity to find the books they're looking for. So if you're dealing in books that aren't common, you know, that aren't something that, you know, one out of every hundred people might have in their garage to put online, then your product is potentially available to anyone searching for it on the Internet. And uh, so book dealers like myself who have rare and unusual and collectible books that aren't very common find it uh, a great asset. Now, as a, a book you know, a store owner, I'm wondering if you find yourself uh, with the problem of, boy, I, I just got a first edition of Ulysses. I can't let this out of my hands uh, ever. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that problem. I, I think long ago I decided that I, or learned that I was not a collector, really. I'm a, I am a dealer. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I have my hobbies and interests and things that uh, are different than than what I do for a living. Uh, certainly, I, you know, in my personal life, I'm into books, but I'm not a, I'm just not a collector. And, uh, so no, I don't, I don't have that problem. Partly, I guess, because it's, uh, well, you know, if I don't sell things, I won't have the money to buy more. So, <laughs> you know, I, I do enjoy looking for, for books and buying them, and uh, I suppose if, well, no, I guess the short answer is no, that's not a problem. Now, um, uh, I'm wondering if you could talk about, um, just as a, you know, um, business, a local business, do you participate in some of the kind of local first initiatives on, you know, you're a part of your community, people come there to, to look for books, do you, do you um, participate in those kind of things? Does that help your business, do you think? Well, I didn't quite understand that. Uh, well, I, I'm wondering if you're part of any of the kind of local first um, local business associations. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, I used to be a Chamber of Commerce member, but I'm, I'm not at this point. So, no, I don't really do any, any of the local community business organizations. Um, it's, uh, no, I don't. I don't think it would be a benefit for my business, and I just really don't have the time to. If I were a member, I wouldn't participate. I don't think of enough time. Is that the kind of organization, Chamber of Commerce? Yeah, those kind of things. There's actually yeah. a whole series of what they call local first organizations. Uh -huh. and, you know, they have. Oh, lo I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So for consumers to essentially shop locally. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no. Okay. Although <laughs> I, I think I definitely I really like it when you know when locals come into my shop. Mm -hmm. Maybe I give them a little special treatment because because I do you know I like to be part of the community. Um, but I don't know if there is really any kind of local first uh, you know focus here in the town of Sonoma. 
is a tourist town. Uh, many of the businesses uh, in the downtown area are somewhat more tourist-oriented than they are mm-hmm. oriented to the locals. But I, I do feel very good about being part of this local community. And again, I really, I really like it when I do get locals coming in. But the nature of my business now has to kind of have a broader outlook on um, you know who I'm selling to because you know what I am selling you know they're often expensive things that people certainly don't need <laughs> no well um, are there any books that you are looking for right now that are unusual that you'd like to tell us about um Well, I think the ones that I'm kind of always looking for and rarely finding, there are a couple books on California winemaking that mm-hmm. are just so elusive. And uh, Well, the, that Horosti book that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, there are copies currently for sale on the Internet, but they're not what I would consider uh, collectible quality. Mm-hmm. Generally for that, and there's another wine book by a guy named Hyatt that um, is very difficult to find. Called uh, oh, what is it called? Manual. Yeah, I looked at it. No, I can't remember where you are. You're in Southern. I'm in uh, Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Yeah, there's another one. Called the uh, Wine Press and the Cellar by Emmett Rixford, mm-hmm. and that's considered the first book on first California imprint on uh, winemaking. Well, if I found one of those in, in collectible condition, what uh-huh. what would it what would it what would you get for it once you bought it for me and turned it around? Yeah, I'd probably uh, I've sold them for three thousand dollars for a nice copy. Yeah, I have one right now that's 2500 that is in a less desirable binding. It's an original binding, but it's kind of, uh, it's a very plain binding. The publisher did it in two different bindings, and one is a very decorative uh, binding with a gilt design of a bunch of grapes. Uh, but the one I've got right now, for 2500 is just a plain round cloth. Title and box and front cover. But the other one I mentioned is uh, Hyatt's uh, Handbook of Grape Culture. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the first book about wine that has a California, it was published in California. Mm-hmm. And that was printed in 1867. And that's, God, that's just so hard to find. So I've had it once before. Now, I, I have to ask too. Um, I thought it was really interesting when you mentioned that the f- one of the first editions of James Joyce's Ulysses was a signed limited edition. I didn't really know that they were doing signed limited editions back when James Joyce was publishing Ulysses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the world of book collecting was probably more active in the 1920s than it is today. And before the Depression, 
yeah, almost any, uh, yeah, gosh, that, the sign limited edition was very common in the 20s. Mm, interesting. And, and uh, Ulysses, I can't remember what year that was done, but, you know, he was, uh, I'm looking at it too, 22, yeah, 1922, and there were 100 copies printed with uh, signed. Yeah, that would probably be around hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll keep a lookout for one of those at the next yeah. estate sale. <laughs> yeah, right. Are, are are the location of all of them known? I I wondered a hundred copies. I would think probably most of them are accounted for. Yeah, I mean a, a number would be in uh, you know, institutional libraries, uh, universities. But, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to do a survey on that. Kind of the holy grail of American literature is Edgar Allan Poe's first book. Oh, really? Uh, that was a book of poems that was published anonymously. And I think a copy, There's a, it's one of the kind of famous stories of, of American uh, book collecting that someone did find one at like a barn sale or something like that. Uh, a few years ago, he bought a box of old tractor manuals and stuff. And in there was the Edgar Allan Poe's, uh, I think it was just, the title is like Poems by a Bostonian or something like that, without his name on it. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, boy, I can't remember how much that sold for me. Some fast. It's called Tamerlane and Other Poems by a Bostonian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, a few years ago, someone did find one. And I might have gone for somewhere between half a million. And... Jeez, half a million dollars. Well, I'm, I think I'm moving to Maine and starting a, a, a prospecting business here. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like lightning striking twice in the same place. I think probably do better to stay out of Maine and, and, you know, find some other barn sale. The Maine copy is now accounted for. The Maine copy is accounted for. I've been speaking with Steve Blackmer. He's the proprietor of Chanticleer Books. Thank you for joining me, Steve. All right. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.